Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another all-new edition of geek to me Radio. Tonight we are joined by composer Sue Weidman talking about her work scoring The Boys Presents Diabolical. If you're a fan of The Boys on Amazon, you got to check out this animated series. Then later on we'll be talking with actor Julia Class about Death Rider and the House of Vampires. All that and more, stand by. TV, comics and movies, and video games. Star Trek from Star Wars will try to explain There are drop notches for Hogwarts houses on Ringworlds and Malls To be the greatest Pokemon master You must catch them all You must catch them all Try to catch them all Gotta catch If you're driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight, listening to us on the Big 550 KTRS, hello to all of you. Thank you very much for listening. If you're streaming us out there on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook, wherever you're watching from, hello to you. Might be watching us live. And of course, if you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form, wherever you're getting your podcasts, we appreciate you finding us there and listening each week. Hopefully, you're enjoying geek to me Radio brought to you every week by our amazing sponsors, the City of St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau, Marcus Theaters, and of course, Bugs Comics and Games. Also, our partner, Kokomo Toys in Kokomo, Indiana. We're very uh, proud to be partnered with them as well. We have a great show tonight, two great guests. So, a lot of these interviews I've been airing lately, I've had on deck for a while, and it's been uh, just Life happens, as I'm sure all of you know, things get busy. So some of these I haven't had a chance to put out yet, and this one is a really great one. I should have had it out earlier, so my apologies to Heisu Weidman, a brilliant composer-musician, talking about the work she's done scoring the music for The Boys Presents Diabolical. We've got that interview with her starting now. Right now we're talking with Heisu Weidman about her brand-new project, Composing the Music for Amazon's The Boys Presents Diabolical. Hey, Sue, how are you? Good, good, good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. It's always so much fun to talk to uh, orchestrators and composers and everything because the music really drives so many of these projects. And we've had composers on before, and I've said if you hit the mute button during a project where there's no dialogue, it's just like action or it's suspense, you lose so much of the emotion without the music. Totally agree. So how did you get involved in, did you know from like an early age that music was what you wanted your career to be? Did you kind of fall into it? Talk a little bit about how you got involved. Oh, well, that was just, I guess, how I, <laughs> it's a long story, but I was, I started as a classical pianist and how I started that was, you know, um, my music teacher saw something in me and basically talked to my parents about giving me um, proper music education, which they did. And then that was like when I was four or five. So my path was already um, decided then by my parents to Ah. be a (laughs) classical pianist. It's very like, you know, typical, (laughs) you know, like Asian (laughs) prodigy. 
sure. that story. Um, but then, you know, I uh, uh, I think in, during my teenage years, I um, developed, I started developing my love for film music. Um, so I started convincing my parents that that's, it, that's what I want to do, not, you know, classical pianist. Uh, it took me some time to convince them because you know, they really wanted me to be a classical pianist. But, you know, I got my way. <laughs> so, um, so I switched my major. I went to Berkeley College of Music to study film music. And then, because, you know, back then, um, this Berkeley was the only school that provided undergraduate film music program oh, in really? the States. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, like totally very, very different scene back then. It was yeah. like in the 1999-ish. So, um, yeah, so I went to Berkeley, uh, got my education there, and it was so fun. So I moved to L.A. after that. I went to USC, you know, film scoring program um, and started working until today. <laughs> and you're still going strong. A lot of the projects on your list are some mm-hmm. fabulous DC animated projects like Green Lantern, the animated series, uh, JL mm-hmm. Flashpoint Paradox, Son of Batman that you've mm-hmm. done either the orchestrating or com- conducting on. For a layman yeah. like me, tell me the difference between orchestrator and conductor on a piece. Oh, well, so um, orchestration orchestrator is the person who takes the sketch from the composer and basically like, you know, flash it out on the score page because you know when you when we when we get the file it's still i mean music is all there but the file itself is still digital Hmm. so you know we flesh it out on the score so and then you know make it into the parts so that players can see read and play at Hmm. the recording and conductor is who, <laughs> who runs the session. He's, um, you know, the conductor is someone who like stands between the orchestra and the composer and, or like, you know, any, whoever is in the booth mm. and um, like, uh, how, how should I say this? Um, just like, you know, runs the session because like, you know, in this recording ses- studio, but time is literally money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, as a conductor, our job is to run the session, get the music, this you know, um, sound as composer envisioned when he or she wrote it. Um. So yeah, it's both fun. So like you know, I orchestrate because by the because by the time we record, I already know the music very well because you know i orchestrated it so um you know it's easy for me to conduct because i know the music and i know what the composer wants but sometimes uh you know people use different conductor because they have you know uh, specific skills how to get the get the orchestra sound or how how specific skills that they run the orchestra you know Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And with, with the composing the music for this new, uh, the Amazon, the voice presents diabolical, obviously the, the Amazon, uh, the, the boys series has been a huge hit for them. Uh, season mm-hmm. two's complete. When you got to do this project, 
what kind mm -hmm. of research as a composer do you do? Do you go back and watch the episodes? Do you just listen to the score? Do you kind of see storyboards? What informs your process in creating the music for a project like this? Uh, well, um, if you look at, I mean, The Voice is a huge hit, right? And mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to, so, you know, I uh, I wanted to not paint the name of on our episode because it it's like it's just like it's a part of huge franchise and there was a lot of i felt a lot of pressure but if you look at our episode it's very very different from what you would expect normally from the boys original show mm -hmm. um so i just tr i just tried to focus on our story because our story is about these two main characters and their emotional journey. So as a as a composer, I, what I focused on was to follow their journey, emotional journey. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so um, uh, yeah, that's what I wanted. That's what I uh, tried to do. So uh, it might be, I don't know, I guess it's up to the fans and, you know, viewers to rule what... Um, you know how my music fits but <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah that's that was my main focus um to just like you know to tell to help tell the story of these two main characters the episode number seven uh john and sun he it's written by brooklyn 99's own andy samberg uh directed by steven Ahn. did you have a collaboration with the two of them to kind of get a feel for what they were going for in both the writing and directing to kind of bring your sensibilities as a composer to it or did they just kind of let you go on your own with kind of here's a few ideas and you do what you're gonna do um ladder okay so i mean you know it was a it was a really like best thing for to the best thing that happens to the composer. Like, you know, they basically gave me a blank canvas. Oh, wow. Um, and then just, um, you know, there was a slight direction, which was, we want experimental. Hmm. Like, so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when I heard that term, I felt like I was just like thrown into the universe with no direction <laughs> to follow. <laughs> so I was like, um, do you have any reference? <laughs> so, um, uh, after the initial meeting of what they want the music sound like, I went into the studio and basically spent a week just uh, experimenting, you know, uh, from you know, orchestral effect to like, you know, electronic synth. And I created a palette. Um, and then I, after a week, I think when I thought that I had enough material, I went ahead and recorded with the orchestra, all this like an orchestra effect. Mm -hmm. And that was even before I started writing the music for it. So, um, and most of them ended up uh, being, ended up uh, being used on when I described, how I described the monster that we see. Okay. Uh, towards the end. Um, I mean, you will hear it from the very beginning, like, you know, little bits of it, but you will, you know, in the later on when we see what's really happening, um, we'll see it in the full scale. So, 
And I know Steve on yeah. wanted this to be uh, kind of he had an animation style kind of inspired by Korean drama and horror. And it was important mm-hmm. for him to have a music that had a cultural sensibility for it, which obviously makes mm-hmm. you a perfect choice for this. Yeah. And yeah. that that's that's that final song that plays. I'm going to I'm going to mispronounce uh-huh. it. So I apologize. Is it Ari wrong? Ari. That's correct. It is. Good. That's yeah, correct. Okay. No, I, yeah. Yes, and that's that's a uh, famous Korean folk song, and that was I guess you had that that'll play at the end credits. But there's that mm-hmm. whole uh, I guess it was kind of having that cultural sensibility between him directing and you orchestrating. I guess it kind of gave you a nice path. There. I know you said you kind of felt like thrown into the universe, but it also kind mm-hmm. of I guess had a bit of a, a path forward too to have these informed choices. Well, yeah. What happened was this is an interesting story. So uh, when I was um, asked to, um, you know, send my demo in and um, uh, executive, I basically was uh, brought on board by um, executive director Giancarlo Volpe. And uh, he, you know, uh, gave me a very brief synopsis of the story. And as soon as I heard, I was wondering, I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder Arirang is a public domain for us to use. And so I brought that up in our first meeting and um, one of the producers said, oh, my God, that's what exact that's exactly what Steve said. Oh, our wow. director. Yes. Yeah, so I guess oh, I guess I'm on the right path. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, Sony Music helped, um, you know, confirming that it is, in fact, a public domain for us to use. So I rearranged it in the tone that. I thought would reflect, you know, um, the uh, John and Sonny's emotion at the, you know, towards the end. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's how it happened. I, like, you know, uh, so I guess that's why he wanted to bring in a Korean American composer. <laughs> yeah. No, it sounds like it, it worked out really well for everyone then. <laughs> yeah. And I believe you worked with the Budapest Symphony Orchestra on this one. When mm-hmm. when you're working with a full orchestra and you've got the electronic elements, is there mm-hmm. a, does it does it ever feel like kind of there's a a push pull like you want the electronic but then the orchestral or does one inform the other? And with that question, we'll get the answer to right after we come back from commercial break. We're going to take that quick break right now so we can pay some bills. We'll be coming back talking more with composer Heisu Weidman right after this. Please stand by. It's alright I'm safe by the bill. Hi everybody, this is John Cena Jr., Terrible Testaverde, the Micro Machine Man, also known as Blur. I just want to let you know that you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. We are back. Geek to Me Radio brought to you live every Sunday night here on the Big 550 KTRS. And I want to make sure we appreciate and uh, talk about our comic book sponsor, which is, of course, Bugs Comics and Games. You've been listening to the show for a while now. Bugs has been with me since they opened their doors. They are a brand new comic book store, uh, not even celebrating their one year birthday yet. They're right there off of Bryan Road in O'Fallon, easily accessible via either the page extension or Highway 70. What is the page? Is that 364, right? Joey says 364. We're going with that. Uh, 364 or Highway 70. You can get to them either way. And, of course, the website, BugsComicsAndGames.com. If you are looking to, uh, maybe you're a comic book collector who've taken a break, 
and you haven't been into the hobby for a while and you want to get back into it, there's no place better to visit than Bugs Comics and Games. They've got a wide variety of back issues. So if you want to go and fill in some missing stuff, and they've got all the brand new weeklies to come out. So maybe you're like, you know what? I haven't been collecting for a while, but I kind of want to get back started, and I, I, I used to be a Batman fan. He'll be able to tell you, talk to Larry or Tim, and Larry will say, well, you know what? You probably want to start with this issue because they started a brand new story here in Batman 125. Great way to jump on. Or, you know, if you've got uh, some kids who they've been liking all the Marvel movies they've seen coming out and they're watching the DC animated stuff on HBO Max and they want to get into it, bring them in. Larry will tell you, well, they might want this and he'll work with you. It's almost like having a comic book concierge at your service. And, of course, if you're outside the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, maybe you're, it's going to be a long drive to get to Brian Road in O'Fallon, you can always go online to BugsComicsAndGames.com. Look up the website, and you can buy stuff right there and have them ship it to you. I know they do a lot of uh, mail-order comics from their website, so you can go on there and get a variant cover that maybe a store in your area doesn't have, and you might see it on Bugs. He'll ship it to you. Uh, just go to the website and check that out. And, of course, give their Facebook page a like, Bugs Comics and Games on Facebook, and they will appreciate that as well. Join the Avengers Club so you can start saving money on your purchases, be it back issues, new issues, games, supplies, whatever it might be. Join that Avengers Club and start saving money as you enjoy your hobby. Very proud to have them as our official comic book sponsor here on the show. Once again, the website BugsComicsAndGames.com. We're chatting with composer and musician Heisu Weidman about her project, The Boys Presents Diabolical. Before we took that last break, we were asking her because with this, she worked with the Budapest Symphony Orchestra, but she also had a lot of electronic elements to the sound that she was making. And I was just kind of curious, as someone who's a composer and musician, is there a push-pull between wanting that classical orchestra sound but also wanting that electronic element? Or is it is it kind of hard to get that balance what she found with uh was were the challenges there um it depends on the scene i think mm. so you know one dominates others the other um depending on what scene i'm writing the music for so you know even in this episode some places you will hear more electronic synth more than uh, an orchestral and um so yeah i think it's just what the scene needs and you've got a beautiful website. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's just your name oh, dot com. You. <laughs> but you can see all the list of all the fun projects that Yesu's been working on. And we mentioned at the beginning all the DC animated projects from Son of Batman, Justice League, Throne of Atlantis to just very recently uh, Justice League Apocalypse War. Did 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 mm-hmm. you did you get into comic books as a result of composing the music or were you kind of a little bit uh, of a fan of some of these properties beforehand? Okay, well, wow. <laughs> so here's the confession. I didn't know much about DC Comics before I got into it. Okay. But um, I have a son, 10-year-old son, who's turning 11 soon. And I think, you know, as um, you know, he as he was getting older, he was he got, you know, he, uh, interested in what what I was working in and like, you know, we started like showing him stuff some stuff and now like because i think it's more than a project i mean more my son <laughs> than the, those projects that actually got me you know read more of those okay <laughs> um <laughs> i'm sorry am i being too no honest? not a, this is great this is great <laughs> okay. 
No, that's perfect. Yeah, because I always wonder, because some people come into it, like you said, with no knowledge of these things beforehand. Some people have been mm-hmm. fans all along, and then some people grow to love it as a result of having been immersed in the musical aspect, especially of this world. And it's mm-hmm. it's so funny, because a lot of these projects, we've had, you know, Alan Burnett, who's one of the producers on several of these projects. Josh Keaton did the voice of Green Lantern. Uh, right, and then right. we've had Frederick Whiteman on the show, too, obviously, uh, yeah. composing some of these. So it's always fun to talk to people who are tangentially related and then find out how they kind of got into it. So don't feel bad about not having interest in it beforehand. That's kind of one of the fun things I like to find out. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I had, well, I'm I'm sure that you know that Freddie's my husband. So I figured. Uh, I didn't want to assume, yeah. but I figured. <laughs> so, like, when I when I was, you know, because I, uh, when I, so, when I had questions, go, wait, I thought he was the fat guy. Wait. And then, I, you know, I would ask him questions. And he was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Because, you know, knowing the characters, that helps me, like, orchestrate the music, too, you know? Oh, sure, yeah. So, uh, so I would have, I would sometimes ask him questions, and, yeah. And your very, very first project, according to your IMDb page, was on a TV yes. movie called Mrs. Harris back in 2005, uh-huh. and you're listed as music preparation. Again, yeah. I'm, I'm a layman, so tell me a little bit about what that kind of work entails for you. Oh, music preparation is... Uh, to simply put, um, to make parts for the individual players from the score. The score is, you know, score contains string section, string, uh, violin, viola, cello, bass, and brass section, like from horn, trumpet, um, trombone, tuba, and um, and then we would have woodwinds, like the flute, oboe, clarinet, bassoon, right? That we have the like, array of instruments. Music prep is basically taking those each line of the each musical line of the score and put it on the paper so that each individual player can just you know read and play. Gotcha. Okay. Now, I was I always find it interesting because there's all these different jobs under music department. They're like we mentioned orchestrator, conductor, composer, music prep, you know, right. music arrangement. So I'm always always curious to find out how each aspect of it works and how it all links together. And then you work. Oh, absolutely. It is confusing. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, with, with so many different terms, I'm, I just always like to kind of clarify yeah. for my own education going forward. Uh-huh. And Good. one of the projects you worked on, too, I listed this recently as one of my favorite movies of 2021 was The Night House. <gasps> yeah, that was fun. That was, it was um, a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful movie. And we... Um, Ben, you know, the composer Ben Lovett, he uh, he created this beautiful sound palette. Um, we uh, and then we were we were very, very much, very much like you know, experimenting with the sound. We uh, explored all eyes of all kinds of um, orchestral sound, I think. Um, he and I talked a lot on what sound that we wanted to achieve because he wanted to give the water, the lake. Um, the signature sound, yeah, because you know, that plays a huge part in the movie. And he, yeah, I believe that he created something very, very beautiful, and I'm very, you know, honored to be to have been a part of it. And my final question, obviously, when you're composing the score for one of these projects, it's always, I'm sure, a lot of hard work, but so much fun and very gratifying to hear your music play out under you know all this this animation detail and these actors talking over it and everything like that. 
with all the different <laughs> jobs you've held, though, orchestrator, conductor, music arrangement, composing, do you have one role that you find to be the most fun? I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> like right now, I would say, oh, my God, there's, there's nothing better than composing. Yeah. But, you know, when I conduct the orchestra, I say the same thing about conducting because, um, you know, like when I was when I, you know, it's like that's the moment when the sound that you imagined in your head come to life, that it's such an exhilarating thing, like, you know. So and then like when I'm orchestrating, like taking this sketch to uh, fleshed out score, there's also so much fun. So it it depends. <laughs> it depends on the project, I guess. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and once again, we want to make sure you check out the website. It's yesuweidman.com. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Is there anything else that you're working on coming down the pike here that we can look for or anything you can talk about or promote? Um, well, I have, I am working on some things, but a, a couple things, but I'm not sure I'm at a, a liberty to say. Okay. So just, yeah. We'll err on <laughs> the side of caution know. and not, and not mention it then. We don't want to get you contractually uh, in trouble. So we'll, we'll leave it there. But, <laughs> but you. Uh, again, you want to check out Amazon's The Boys Presents Diab- uh, diabolical if i could say my words correctly today i'm not sure what's wrong uh the the boys presents diabolical it's the seventh episode that yesu has gotten all the composition and all the music done for and we're very much looking forward to this series can are you active on social media can people find you there or is it mostly all through the website i i, I actually uh created an instagram like just a couple of months ago I I still don't know how to use this very well, but yeah, I have a I have an Instagram. It's called it's a uh, my handle is Heisu H Y E S U is Gems G E M S. <laughs> Perfect, Heisu is Gems. We'll put a link to that up as well, so people can Thank keep you. up with you on Instagram. This has been such a delight to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time today, and hopefully we can have you back on to discuss one of those other projects that you can't discuss at the moment. Thank you for talking with me, James. Thank you so much. Thank you. And as listeners of the show know, I love having composers on because it's uh, it's always fun to talk about that aspect. I feel like a lot of people want to talk to the actors and the voice artists who do all this stuff, but no one ever gets into the music. And I think the music, you've heard me say it on the show before, if you're a fan of the show, music drives so much of the drama or the horror, like Joey was just playing that clip of the night house and man, the music in that really ratchets up the tension in some of those scenes. And then when that music stops and it's just silence, you know, something's about to happen. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Hey Weidman for taking time out of her day to be on the show and discuss what she's done with the boys presents diabolical. I want to make sure I thank the new followers. I did this, uh, earlier in the week, I guess, last week, I said, if you are if you follow me, I want to get to over 11,400 followers. I hit that benchmark. And if you follow me, if you're one of the next 20 followers, I will give you a shout-out on the radio show. I'm a man of my word. So I want to say thank you very much to, on Twitter, these people just started following me, at Spybrary, the Spybrary podcast, at D underscore Ray 1977, at MCU Villains, uh, Cameron, 8661243131. Thank you, Cameron. 
this guy 1981 it's at this guy 1981 just in case you didn't think i was going this guy uh this guy 1981 uh mighty feckler i think i'm pronouncing it right f-e-k-l-h-r uh we've got some more that we will be thanking throughout the course of the day we're going to take a real quick commercial break in the meantime get my next guest ready you're listening to geek to me radio on the big 550 ktrs please stand by Hey, hi, listeners. This is Greg Berger. Meet Grimlock, Dinobot leader from Transformers. And guess what? You're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Transformers. Welcome back to the show. Geek to Me Radio heard live here on the big 550 KTRS every Sunday night at 9 o'clock Central. Of course, if you're watching this or streaming it online, that's 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We appreciate your tuning in and listening. Greg Berger, so many voice roles. I just got to see him. They have the, uh, I'm an 80s kid. Anyone who watches the show, listens to the show knows I'm an 80s kid. Uh, So anything 80s, they just re-released through Fathom Events. G.I. Joe the movie from 1987 was out in theaters this weekend. So of course I had to go see it. And luckily for me, it was playing at a Marcus Theaters location. Of course, that's where I see any movie that I want to go out and see will be at a Marcus Theaters with their super screen uh, DXL. Then the big loungers they had the heated seats and the recliners. And, of course, you get the big giant thing of popcorn. And there's no better place to see a movie, be it a classic from 1987 or one of the new movies that are out right now. If you haven't seen Jurassic World Dominion yet, maybe you are wanting to go out and see The Black Phone starring Ethan Hawke. I highly recommend that one as well. But if you're going to see any of these movies... It does you no good to go see them if you if the sound is kind of wonky and the seats are ripped up and there's you know, sticky stuff on the floor and the concessions aren't fresh. Go to the best place to see these movies so you get that quality experience. And that, of course, is Marcus Theaters. Go to the website, MarcusTheaters.com. You can find the location of the Marcus Theaters or the Movie Tavern closest to you. You can buy your tickets right there. And hey, obviously Father's Day just happened. We're in summer. We've, we've got all sorts of things going on. Maybe you want to do something special for a birthday or an event. Rent a private cinema at a Marcus Theaters. Find the movie you want to see. Rent the theater right there from their website. You and 20 of your closest friends, you can add concessions and things like that to make it a truly unique experience. And kick back and have fun at the movies. Once again, the website, MarcusTheaters.com. And of course, download the Marcus Theaters app for your smartphone or device as well. Very proud to have them as the official movie sponsor here on geek to me Radio. Marcus Theaters for the best movie-going experience in the galaxy. And it's appropriate that we're talking about movies. My next guest is an actor who's been in a lot of great movies with a lot of great people. She's got a brand new one out called Captors. I erroneously said, if you're following my tweets, that it was uh, Death Hunter in the House of Vampires. And of course, that was uh, she was in that as well. But the movie that's out now that we're talking about is Captors. So I apologize to her off air. I'm going to do it officially on air as well. But I'm very glad to have my guest right now, Yulia Klaus. How are you? It's all good. Thank you so much. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me tonight. How are you guys doing there? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, it's it's always fun to talk about. We get the, the juicy scoop on these behind the scenes because these movies, uh, a lot of these uh, indie ones especially, I think are better told, better acted, and have better stories, better uh, just a, a more uh, je quoi than some of the big budget films. Like we just got done talking about Jurassic Park and make no mistake, mm-hmm. obviously like the blockbusters. But these other films, like some of the ones you've just recently done, 
are so they're almost like a breath of fresh air because you get that feel of the of the craft that's baked into the movie. So let let's start with captors. Talk a little bit about getting the part, how you were cast for this particular movie. Um, so um, let me just say something. Uh, of course, I agree with the fact that you know we can't compare budget wise with um, you know big budget movies such as you know Jurassic Park. Um, and we worked really hard on this one. It's a um, very low budget film, and um, the script has been in existence for several years. And I was working with a writer, Philip Day, on um, something else, something that is in works right now, um, and hopefully will be shot in 2023, um, inspired by True Events film. And then as we were working on that um, with other uh, producers, says, listen, I have this um, very interesting script, uh, screenplay that I would like you to read. And I just want to get your feedback. And um, then he ran it by one of our other producer. And basically, long story short, um, everybody really liked it with some minor adjustments. We brought it in front of uh, James Bressuck, who is um, our film director. And he really was excited because it's a unique story. It's also... Um, the way how it was shot, you know, there's pretty, pretty much it's all it's all carried by one um, character, which is my character, Alice and Twisted Alice. I play two characters in the film and there's not much dialogue in there. And that's what excited James, I guess, because it's a little bit outside of the box, you know. So he was um, a little bit more free to do um, what he wanted to do. And he he's an extremely creative guy, very talented. Um, but he also, um, gave me a lot of freedom to do what I needed to do as a, as an actor to make this role, um, fulfilling. And, um, you know, both of us did a lot of research. We interacted with psychologists. We, uh, reviewed, uh, watched videos of the, um, the trafficked victims, you know, on YouTube. And uh, I've interviewed personally a couple of people. Hmm. And, um, you know, it's a pretty interesting and fascinating topic that not a lot of people talk about. Um, and, you know, when we see movies about um, trafficking victims, it's mostly, you know, the car chases, how someone got, you know, like, for example, taken, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but we don't really we don't really see the other side of it. Um, those who do survive this, which is a very, very small percentage. Um, they will never be the same. The psychological horrors that they go through, the shame, the guilt, um, you know, self-blame. And of course, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've heard of this, uh, the Stockholm Syndrome, oh, yeah. which is um, quite popular, where the victim develops positive feelings toward the captor. Um, so all of these feelings were portrayed um, in this character in our film. And I guess that was the challenge for me as an actor to explore all of those emotions, all of those facial expressions, physical, it physically and emotionally was a very challenging role for me. And uh, but we did it. I think we did it pretty good. Oh yeah, no, it's it's one of those 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 tense because uh, it's it, I, I almost I, I guess you describe it as a, a thriller. I guess would be a good way to describe this one. Dramatic thriller. Sure. How would you classify it? Um, it's it's of course it's a it's um psychological thriller, very psychological. Um, but also it depicts the horrors of what this character is going through. Right. And at some point uh, in the story, um, the further it goes on, we don't know at, at that point what's the re- what the reality is and what is not the reality. You know, so everything is mixed up. Um, I can't give away too much, but, um, right. you know, it's pretty psychological. Yeah, that's I, I would lean more toward psychological thriller. Genre. 
and there's there's shades of obviously I, I'm one of those people and I, I know it's annoying to some people I always compare movies to other movies and kind of it's a little of this a little of this and it's never meant as a saying that a certain movie is formulaic or that a certain movie is is this it's just in my mind if people like well well what's this movie like I'm like well did you like this movie did you like this and they kind of say it's a little mm-hmm. like that so it, there's there's shades of sleeping with the enemy uh, there's shades of misery but it's got that kind of that captive uh, very tense emotional thing as you mentioned and then the Stockholm syndrome and everything like that kind of comes into play mm-hmm. and it's it's got all those elements which again when I make a statement like that, it's meant as a compliment because those are great movies that kind of mm-hmm. show that. But this one kind of turns up the heat a little bit on that, turns the, turns the uh, intensity up. Yes, and it's because, again, um, I personally don't do not know of any films out there that actually depict um, the psychological, psychiatric state of this particular victim, mm-hmm. you know, um, and how her day to day uh, living and for 10 years she's living and blocking all of her memories and emotions and suppressing everything because she will never ever be the same and um, you know people will say oh she doesn't remember what happened 10 years ago and no in reality a lot of victims that have ever been through something even close to this they will all say that they were all in this um, place where they would block their memories and they cannot remember they partially kind of lose their memory intentionally by suppressing it you know and so that was the goal of this um uh, you know of me portraying this character is to showcase you know all this um you know hardship not only the hardships that she's going through but hallucinations you know and uh, psychotic uh, outbreaks and then depressions and um, you know, this minute she's happy, the next minute she's hallucinating. You know, we don't know. Um, so this was a challenge of this role, basically. And it's it's one of those things I feel like uh, it, it movies like this help take a little bit of the taboo out of things like uh, mental illness, uh, people who struggle with trauma and PTSD. Obviously, you mentioned mm-hmm. sex trafficking, which is a very real thing. There's still an abhorrent amount of sex trafficking still goes on to this day, which you'd think... <laughs> wouldn't be the case yeah. in modern society, but it still happens with much more regularity than than it should. And that's, this is one of those movies that kind of shines a light on all of those things that I think people like to shy away from and back away from in real life. Yeah, there's a lot of topics that hurt that people don't like to talk about. And there's a lot of topics, you know, in real life about anything. And um, people think if I don't talk about it, we'll go away. It will not go away. It will always be there, especially with trauma of this nature, with PTSD, um, you know. And um, in this particular story, you know, um, not to give away everything, but when she attempts to um, to live a better life and healthier life and try to look in the future instead of the past and be stuck there, we don't know if this is possible for this character. So that's the, the burden that she has to carry uh, for the rest of her life, you know, I guess. And um, another interesting thing um, is that I also co-wrote the song for um, uh, at the end credits, you know, the theme song. I co-wrote it and I also perform it. And uh, when we were working on the lyrics, I, um, I, it took us like several days, you know, to, um, to finalize everything. And um, usually, usually sometimes, you know, like in one day you can come up with, a, with lyrics because I, I, I recorded songs before in the past. And um, this one, it took several days um, because we always try to find the right words. And I think right now, the way how the song is, it's called um, Can Anybody Hear Me? 
um, it, it perfectly describes this character, how she's trapped within herself, how she hears those voices that, you know, will never stop. She will never stop hearing those voices, you know, in her head. And I know you are a uh, singer, songwriter and everything like that as well. Was that something that they said, hey, would you like to do something? Or did you step forward and say, oh, by the way, now that I'm in this character's shoes and I kind of know I have a good song to how, how did the, uh, the you working on the song and having that at the end credits come about? Uh, no, they uh, we didn't have a song. Um, it, it, as, as the post-production started, um, you know, I ran it by James and I said, listen, you know, I, I have a team, uh, you know, of producers, I can record a song. And then if you guys like it, you know, we can probably use it. So I did it kind of on the spec basis. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, and uh, everybody loved it. And they said, we're going to use it. <laughs> and you've got uh, the, the cast in this, too. I should mention uh, any fan of the show here will uh, know Bruce Davis and obviously from the X-Men films as well. But he's been in so many different movies. How is it working with Bruce Davison? Oh, it was amazing. He was on the set for a couple of days. And of course, for him, it was a challenging role. Um, you've seen the movie and some of the scenes that he was in, uh, not a lot of actors will have the courage to um, to be in in those scenes. Right. So him being a professional and experienced actor as he is, um, you know, I have high regard and respect for him and for his um, bravery. Um, and I think he did a, an amazing job playing that creepy, um, sick serial killer, you know, and um, it was pretty intimidating because the set was, you know, uh, when they were shooting um, some of the particular scenes there with a younger Alice, young Alice, um, you know, there were only a few, it was a DP in there, it was director James, um, even the makeup artist, everybody left the room, so it was a very small amount of people there because those scenes were so intimate and um, we wanted, uh, you know, Bruce to feel comfortable. Everybody need, and you know, young Alice um, who's playing the young Alice, um, the girl, she needed to be uh, comfortable as well. Dana Bates. So um, I think he did an amazing job to answer your question. And for those of you just now tuning in, we're talking with actor Yulia Class about her movie Captors. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Yulia, are you okay to stick with us for a little while longer? Absolutely. I'm here. Perfect. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come right back, chat more with her about Captors, a couple of her other films, and we'll take your te- text and calls. If you have a question for Yulia, feel free to give us on the KTRS text line at 84126. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Hi, I'm Martin Campbell, and I'm on Geek to Me Radio, so uh, please listen. Welcome back to Geek to Me Radio. Want to make sure we tell you about our premier sponsor, of course, the City of St. Charles, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. If you are looking for some place to check off your bucket list, if you're wanting to travel, obviously the world's starting to open back up again. Maybe you want to go and visit someplace new that you haven't been to before. May I recommend the City of St. Charles? You can start your trip at their website, discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com. Lots to see. Lots to do, depending on what you're wanting to do. If you want to go camping, they've got campgrounds. If you're driving across the country, they have RV parks. If you want that first-class 
five-star accommodations. They've got plenty of hotels and, of course, bed and breakfasts as well, something to suit every taste and style. Lots of great food. That's one of the things we've talked about. Some of our uh, guests who have been here in St. Louis visiting, and they say, my goodness, the food that you guys have in St. Louis uh, is amazing. And St. Charles has a lot of fantastic restaurants. We just tried a new place. I think it's Underground Burger. Uh, my wife and I just went there with some friends this past weekend. Wonderful food. And there's always a new restaurant. Every time we're down there, we're like, where'd this place come from? We haven't tried this place yet. We went next door to a place called Sugar Bots for Desserts. It's a really nice ice cream parlor. They had uh, some great flavors there. And of course, cocktails at Tompkins House. If you want barbecue, they've gotten salt and smoke. If you're looking for a gift, maybe you've got a birthday or maybe you've got a graduation party coming up, something unique that you won't find anywhere else. All the shops up and down Main Street, all these restaurants, all these shops, these are all small businesses. And especially now in this economy, never been more important to support small businesses. So if you're local here in St. Louis, St. Charles area, Hop across the Blanchette Bridge. Go visit historic St. Charles. If you're listening and you're uh, on points out there in the world, not in the area, come visit. Come find a place to stay. Come hang out. Come spend some time during one of the festivals like their Legends and Lanterns. If you're a Halloween fan, that's a festival you definitely want to come visit. Christmas traditions every uh, November through December. Lots of things to see and do. Plan your trip now at discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. Chatting here for the rest of the hour. This time always flies by. We've got Yulia Class on with us right now talking about her movie, Captor. She's got a lot of other uh, great projects she's been in, but I want to make sure that we uh, finish here and put a button on Captors. This is streaming across all platforms right now. Am I correct? Yes, sir, it is. Um, so Apple TV, uh, Amazon Prime, uh, Hulu, um, you can just Google it and it will come up. You can also go to CaptorsMovie.com and um, you can you will be able to find uh, information regarding the film. And as soon as you said that, Joey's uh, my executive producer. His fingers are going to work. He's going to put that in the show notes. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> so if you're watching, if you're watching this now, after the fact in the show notes, if you didn't get a chance to write that down, CaptorsMovie.com. Uh, Joey V will have that in the show notes. If you're listening after the fact, scroll down to the bottom. It'll be right there, a link so you can go check out the movie. Uh, I. I f- prematurely promoted another movie that I thought we were talking about, which was Death Rider in the House of Vampires with the great (laughs) Danny Trejo. I can only imagine how much fun it was to shoot that movie just from watching the trailer. I haven't checked out the movie itself yet, but Mm -hmm. that had to have been a lot of fun to work on that. Uh, It was extremely fun. It's a spaghetti western spoof. um, And um, the director is Glenn Denzik, the legendary Glenn Denzik. Mm. Um, He's amazing. We met at the Sieges Film Festival um, you know, during during the screening of Captors, and he had another film there that he, he one of his first films that he directed, um, and that's how we met. Um, and our our the director for for the Captors was the producer for his film, ah. and so that's that's how I was introduced to him uh, uh, by James. And so then after we came back and everything, then I received a um, call one time from James. And he's like, um, Glenn, wants, Glenn is working on this um, film, Death Rider. And he was wondering if you can do the Southern accent. And I'm Eastern European, <laughs> so English <laughs> is not my first language. And I'm like, um, this was on my bucket list to, to get to it, to start, you know. But I mean, I'm an actor. I can, you know, work on things. Sure. So I said, Sure, I can. I didn't say anything. I said, "Sure, I can." And he goes, "Well, can you put a, can you put it on tape like within several hours?" So, because today he's conducting the auditions and everything. 
So I called up a, a friend of mine who's an actor, amazing actor, Tim. Tim. And so I, um, he was available, thank God. And um, so I said to him, here's, here's, the, here's the sides. It's like three pages, right? And I said, can you just like film yourself or just can you just like say the way how it's supposed to, to be, you know, pronounced? And then I will just listen to it a few times and, um, and then you will tape me. And that's how we basically taped it. And then we, I, I send it over to them and they said, hey, you're hired. That's great. great. <laughs> so that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was a really interesting challenge. Um, working with Glenn was fun. Uh, everybody was amazing. The only thing is it was really cold. It was um, right before COVID um, started. And then we were like in the middle of the desert <laughs> and uh, it was freezing. All the shoots were during the nighttime. Oh, yeah. um, so Ooh. the second we come out of the trailer, there's like this wind and freezing and, you know, they build sets, very beautiful sets. Um, they did a great job there on the on the movie. And um, so, yeah, that's how I got that role. <laughs> You've worked on a lot of uh, other great pictures with a lot of other people. We just obviously I, every, I think everyone kind of was very saddened to learn Bruce Willis is stepping back and uh, taking a break from acting. Yeah. You got to work with him on fun. Survive the Game. Obviously, uh, Steven Seagal from Beyond the Law and Jason Momoa, mm-hmm. Aquaman himself, on uh, the film Sugar <laughs> yes. Mountain. Uh, Before. When, when you're working, <laughs> yeah, exactly. When, when you're working on these films, do you do you ever? Because you've you've got obviously a number of films under your belt, and obviously you're a professional. But I would every mm-hmm. so often there'll be the, even when I get a guest who I'm I'm nervous about who I, I'm going to be talking to on the show. I still get a little bit of nerves. Do you ever get any nerves at all when you're going to do a big scene with uh, someone who's a just a ginormous megastar? um so you know uh, no not really because at first you would think so right but then because before you start shooting you get to know these people before you you know you see them in the makeup chair you chit chat there then you know you just say hello during the lunches during you know then sometimes in certain aspects you rehearse the scene sometimes you know you just go cold like that you know and you start doing it from uh without any rehearsal so um you already get to know the people before you actually doing the scene with them. Mm. So uh, I think a lot of people that I've met throughout my uh, career, I, I think they're amazing people, uh, including Jason, you know, he was really, really fun. Um, I co-produced that film and uh, I also, I also acted in a band. You'll, you'll see like little cameo role, but, um, but what was fun about him and interesting, he is so down to earth and such a fun individual where everybody at first, because they already knew he's preparing for this big role before he, um, before he became Aquaman. That's, you know, he did this. I think this was the last, one of the last in, you know, indie films that he did. Hmm. And, um, and everybody's like, you know, like everybody's whispering, you know, he's going to be in this big movie. We're heard he's like this and that. And everybody thought he's going to be like so snobby and big guy, you know, big <laughs> snobby. And then here comes in this like teddy bear who gives everybody hugs and kisses and he's like friendly with everybody. And then we were watching dailies um, every Saturday. Our director, Richard Gray, would be um, testing the waters with the local people and playing what we've shot throughout the week. Mm-hmm. And then the locals would comment um, in the local uh, bars, pubs. Um, they would say, hey, yeah, that's great. Oh, here I would change this and that. And so they, he would listen to them and Oh, wow. uh, make appropriate changes. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I like that about him. And um, right after the, we watched the dailies, um, we start, you know, dancing. There's like DJ, live DJ. There's music. There's every, it, it was just fun. It was extremely, we shot it in Alaska and 
actually it was one of the funnest experience I had experiences I had on the set. And again, the time flies by. We only have an hour on live radio, unfortunately. Um, we're wrapping up here. If you would let people know if they want to keep up with you online, website, social media handles, where can people find you and uh, keep Absolutely. up with you? Absolutely. You can find me. Uh, I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, you can go to um, official Yulia Claus. That's my Instagram at official Yulia Claus. Yuliklaus.com is my website, which has not been updated in a while, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you sound busy. It's um, but, all right. <laughs> but I know. I'm sorry, guys. But Instagram is pretty much where I'm pretty active. I have Twitter official Yuliklaus as well. Perfect. And again, uh, we'll watch for you to be in more stuff. And hopefully we can have you back on again to talk about some of your other movies coming out. That will be great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your time. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. There Likewise. she goes, Yulia Klaus. Uh, we'll have links to that. Thank you again to uh, both of my guests, Jesus Weidman and Yulia Klaus. Thank you, of course, to my show sponsors, Marcus Theaters, Bugs Comics, and the City of St. Charles. Thank you to the people who I didn't get a chance to mention who followed me. Wow, 197-392-247 underscore all day baby. My helpful hints underscore. Miss Trin79. We'll get to the rest of you next week. Until then, my friends. That's a Thank you, Sugar Mountain. Good night. Hey, kids. Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say referral geek to me radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.